0: Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where He's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence a narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Dan Lutz is a 1st call bassist in Los Angeles. His successful career is credited to be a strong groove, versatility, experience, and dependability, playing both electric and upright bass. Dan's 15 years on the scene has proven himself to be a seasoned professional and a respected musician able to swing, groove, improvise, and enhance any musical situation. He has toured the world over with various artists, played countless sessions for commercials, movies, and television, and maintains a busy schedule in L.A. Today, we're going to explore how God brought Dan into his dream of being a session bassist on some of the most prestigious projects in the music industry. We're also going to discover how he renegotiated his career to do marriage and family the way God showed him while doing music. And we're going to hear his stories of what God can do through his friends in the music industry. Welcome to exploring the industry. I'm your host Sean Bulls, and I'm here with Dan Lutz, who's a musician and actually also a worship pastor at our mm-hmm. local church, yeah. Expression Fifty Eight, which is really fun. But your your real gig, your, the real thing you do, is you travel around you and you do music, and you also do a lot of session sets. Yep. And your main instrument is bass, but I think you play probably everything.
1: <laughs> I do a little bit of piano, but <laughs> I stick with bass for sure.
0: People definitely have told me you play like almost every instrument <laughs> there is. You know, I went when I
1: uh, I went to Cal State Northridge, and I went uh, studied. Music music education and so i had to learn all of the instruments but at a very like elementary school level so well i I only play the
0: kazoo and (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i can play like three things and they're all with you yeah i would love that (laughs) i took piano lessons actually three different times and two times the piano teachers told me this is not your thing (laughs) that's which is really sad no it's sad (laughs) i want to i want to play okay well let's go (laughs) right into your story because uh it's amazing that you have been in the industry for so long yeah. And you and Michelle, your wife, have raised a family in the, around the industry. But how yeah. did this start for you? How did you want to become a musician? I know most musicians, it's just in you from the time you're young, but to actually do it as a career, because yeah. it's so sacrificial to do it as a career. Let's talk about
1: that. Yeah. When I was in third grade, my dad, uh, they were passing out instruments and my dad said, you're a bigger kid than some of the others. Why don't you play the bass? That's the biggest one. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And my dad uh, was a a high school choral teacher. So he was in music and he was a choral teacher at the local church as well. But they passed out this upright bass, and I started in third grade and fourth grade, and I took a liking to it. Wow. And then we moved from Philadelphia to Los Angeles when I was 11, and I uh, eventually got into junior high school, and the junior high director was like, we need a, an electric bass player. And I said, well, I played back in third or fourth grade. Maybe I can, and from then on, that was grade, it. it was it. And, and I just, I, I had an affinity for it. I loved it, and I stuck with it, and... Here we are today. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Your dad
0: says you're a bigger kid. That was it. I'll never <laughs> like, forget it. I have issue with this. I don't yeah, want to exactly. shop at the Husky <laughs> section. No, no, uh, no. I'm kidding. So talking about your faith, because when you were up until the age of around 13, I believe, yeah. um, just from knowing your story, yep. you were Christian. And I that you weren't a Christian after that, but you weren't walking with God the same way after that, it yeah. sounds like. And so how did you know that this was your God assignment, your calling, like take us on the journey Mm. of when you really surrendered to Jesus and what happened.
1: Yeah. When I was 13, I accepted Jesus, uh, at forest home at a junior high or high school event. And pretty much all the way through high school, I was with friends and plugged into a local church. My dad was the music director at the Presbyterian church in orange County. And, um, I loved it and I had a great relationship with the with people and I and and I really felt felt God's presence in my life and started to understand faith and make it my own instead of just going to Sunday school. Yeah. Um and it became real and up until I left for college, uh you know, where I finally like went out on my own, I kind of disconnected, but for the most part through high school I was involved in church and I had a relationship with God, but it wasn't a holy spirit thing it was it was more of a we pray before bed we pray before meals yeah. we go to church on Sunday and we do good things yeah. you know yeah. and so that's kind of where it was we didn't read the Bible we didn't talk to Jesus you know on a regular basis um so that's that was it for me and then college started to study I got into jazz I got into just playing and and touring and different things and I and I just not for any particular reason i just started to go away from god it wasn't a priority yeah. and i didn't think it needed to be because music was you yeah know? and and i was hungry for music and i wanted to study music and learn music and listen to music and play music all the time so i went away to college at north texas and then i went i came back and i went to uh, cal state northridge and got my music ed degree and then i uh, went to cal arts and i got my master's in wow. jazz performance and and, uh, I got into all sorts of things and then, um, it started to become like, okay, what, what now? Like I knew I wanted to have a family and I, and yeah, I, that
0: is a big, I mean, cause that's, you kind of went to the top of what you do for education at that point. I mean, yeah. And so you're fully developing this craft and you're in love with it, but there, I'm sure that big question mark of this is amazing, but this isn't all right. So. Was, yeah. So, so I you're got, saying family was a catalyst. Yeah. For
1: I mean, I always wanted to have a family, and I, my dream in life, you know, from early on, was always like, if I can have a family, if I can play music and support a family, that's awesome. That that was it. I never wanted to be the star. I might have wanted to be the 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 bass player's star, yeah. but I never wanted to be the front person. I just I didn't care if it was teaching. I didn't care if it was sessions. I knew it probably wouldn't be touring because of family. Um, and I had done some touring and I was like, well, oh, this isn't going to work. God said to me at one point, you are not Dan, the bass player. You are going to be Dan, the husband, Dan, the friend, Dan, wow. the counselor.
0: And this is before you were like, this was church, before, before yeah, this was, this before, is, this was outside
1: wild. of church. This was sort of in that process of, okay, I'm starting to really develop my voice on the instrument. I'm working. I'm. I was at this point in college, I was supporting myself playing jazz gigs yeah. and touring with different people. And God was like, okay, why well, are you ready for the next thing?
0: So that's, that's so key. Cause I think a lot of musicians who are in it, you can be trapped by your gift because right. it becomes so identifying and polarizing. Right. And that's so amazing. that God's like, no, no, no. Let me, let me show you how big you are. Yeah. Let me show you how many identities I have for you that will define you. And yeah. I think that's I, a lot of creative people. I've, I've met people who are at the height of their career, but they're at the end of the rope. Yeah. You know? And totally. it's, and so it's amazing and it's, that God, that's what God does is he interrupts us in those moments and shows us, yeah.
1: And it was all about identity. I'm glad you said that. And so I started to reevaluate and shift my life based on that revelation of like, okay, I, I have this gift. Maybe God's given me this gift of music or whatever, but what are you going to do with it? It's yeah. not just about, cause I remember having conversations with, you know, like John Mayer's bass player at the time and, and, and he frustrated with certain things or this person who I think is doing all the, the coolest sessions in town and he's frustrated because he's not doing touring and wow. I'm like, well, th- there, there is no, you don't get to a place, you know, and arrive and be like, now everything's cool. Like even the highest level people are struggling with stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: So if I can get my, if I can involve God and my identity and my calling into the gift somehow, maybe there's this mix that, that God w- wants me to realize. And then, and then I'm just free. That's so and, and that's where I'm trying to get to And those moments <laughs> of
0: emotional awareness. And then when you add on spiritual awareness, I think yeah. some people talk about emotional intelligence or emotional awareness. When all mm. of a sudden you have that kind of come yeah. clarity moment. Yeah. But as a, as a person who believes in God to have a spiritually aware moment to right. go, okay, there's more. Right. And I have to change some things for this to happen. So, yeah. so what happened? What changed?
1: Well, I was in this five-year relationship with this girl that was not a Jesus relationship. And, um, I wasn't in church and I knew I had, God had been giving me dreams about this relationship, but, and I'd never, like I said, I came from a pretty dry spiritual yeah. family in terms of that. And God started giving me these dreams about, um, just this girl. And, and I, you know, through, uh, talk processing it with some people, they're like, this isn't the right relationship. And I knew it. So that relationship ended, I ended that relationship on a Sunday. And then I called my friend and I, and God was like, I want you to, to find a community, find a church, find some from some Christians and just find a woman who loves me and and pursue that. And I was like, OK, so that was a Sunday. And then on a Friday, my friend called and said, hey, there's this church in L.A. that's looking for a bass player for their album that they're recording. You should just come in. It's really great. And wow. I was like, OK, I'll I'll do it. So I was like, maybe that's God. You know, I would get calls like that often because I was doing different things, but Right after a prayer like that, yeah. it was like, yeah, it's okay, I'm going to go with this one. So I went down this and I, and I remember I walked in the door. This was Oasis church, uh, in, which I, is an
0: incredible church. Awesome. This is amazing.
1: This was probably in 2000 or 2001. Yeah. And then, um, I opened the doors and I walked down and I heard the band rehearsing and they were phenomenal. Just this really incredible musician. So right away, the musician inside me was satisfied. I'm like, please don't be a lame church band, <laughs> you know? Like, I really want to know. And they were fantastic. And I walked down the, the right aisle and I'm looking around and everybody's like, you know, looks sort of like the same demographic. Like it wasn't a, it just, I felt like, okay, these, these could be my people. And I looked around and I saw Michelle and I said, and there's my future wife. No, you did not. Yeah,
0: you and just knew. Was,
1: I knew she was wearing this. She never. She doesn't say she was, but she was wearing this baby blue jumpsuit. She was in the circle talking to people. Long blonde hair. I didn't even know if
0: she was married or not. I didn't
1: know anything. You just. But afraid. I had prayed. I said, God, I want to find a new church, and I want to find a woman who loves you. And that was it. And I didn't talk to her for about three weeks. Wow. And I just kind of. Met, I met. I got the gig. They hired me to do the album. Um, and the album recording night was just, uh, October 20th, 2001, I think. And, and I went up to Michelle because she was on the worship team. And I said, hey, I just want you to know, I think you're amazing. I love the way you worship. I love your voice. And it's great to be here. I just want to get to know you better. And that was it. And uh, we didn't start dating until about six months after that. Um, but that was the beginning and wow. I, I've never looked back. So it was that point where God connected me into church, connected me with my future wife and, and it's, well, I it's mean, been amazing. Anybody
0: would go to church if they saw their future <laughs> spouse yeah, there totally. instantly. <laughs> the first time that they ever went there, I didn't, re-
1: I didn't realize that I was, that I was calling <laughs> yeah. it out, but yeah. looking back. Yeah. Yeah. I, that no, that's absolutely incredible. happened.
0: Well, we're so enjoying this story and we're going to come back and talk to Dan about his actual music career and where God's shown up. So you're not going to want to miss this conversation. Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you to develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe, come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. Thanks for joining the conversation with myself and Dan Lutz, who's a musician and a worship pastor. Uh, When I say that, though, I want to make sure people understand that you're not just worship pastoring in a church, but you've been in a musical career for a number of years. Before we go there, though, we left off on a pretty profound thing. You were in a transition from just your music career and really believing for husband, father, friends, these kinds of things. And God spoke to you. Now, some people, when they heard that, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. But other people are like, wait a minute. How did you know? Yeah. When you didn't have a background of knowing what God sounds like, a lot of people don't know what God sounds like. Who are yeah. watching this? How did you know?
1: Yeah, that's true. I was, you know, there was a point where I, you know music was so important to me, and I was focusing it, focusing on it so much, in, in school and performance and touring, and um, but I, like I said, I was I was having that identity pool, and yeah. I felt like um, there's I'm I want more. I I want to. I don't want to be. Um, controlled by my career choice. I want to control it and I want to, you know, I want to be able to to move in that way and have that freedom and I want a family. And so I would, there was things that were, that I felt like not looking back where God just saying like, I have more for you. And I was resisting it because I'm like, no, music's all I need. Music's going to be cool. Music's going to take me to these places around the world. Music's going to give me money. Music's going to make me famous. And and he's like I haven't called you to that. I've called wow. you to a husband. I've called you. and so when I started to to listen to that more I'm like okay I am going to I'm going to make decisions that involve God cuz I you know I I had didn't have practice hearing his voice but I knew I you know these dreams that I was having from this previous relationship and wanting to end that and then um kind of saying okay cool what do you want to do what what and so he said what's in your hands and when that when that was posed to me and I was serving in church, I'm like, let me get involved in church. Let me, let me connect myself with people who are after God. Let me just yeah. surround myself with people who maybe I see fruit in their lives. And and they're not just focused on money or career, but they're actually focused on relationship and developing as a, they're developing their heart and their relationship with God. Yeah. And I started to make those decisions that I had never done before. And music took us a, a backseat to these decisions that with partner with God, we're starting to bring relationship. And then I did start to become the friend that God was telling me. And eventually I became the husband that God saw. And it was just that shift from, I'm not focusing on music. Let me focus on God and God's going to strengthen the music side of things. There's that scripture that says, God will give you the desires of your heart, Mm -hmm. which is always kind of weird, uh, used in different ways, but one translation says, God will exchange the desires of your heart. Oh, that's cool. And I've I was, never seen that. And that's so awesome. I was like, okay, well, if I put God, then maybe God's going to be like, hey, you really want this. And I'm like, yes, I really do want that. And that started to happen. And at the same time, it's my, my music career started to grow as a result, wow. which I was afraid it wouldn't. It was I know, it's kind of
0: risky because you're having this moment of what I called earlier spiritual awareness, which I think a lot of people... Are are it happens to a lot of people where they have spiritual all of a sudden they just know this is God and this isn't or yeah. this is core to my identity and this isn't yeah and then also in doing that though when you as soon as you get involved with church a lot of people's perception is I'm gonna everything's gonna die and decrease yeah. and like now I'm just gonna be a church kid or a yeah. church person and I'm not gonna actually have a real life because they're so fragmented yeah so many times in our belief system but one of the things I love about Oasis where you were going here locally mm-hmm. in Los Angeles which is just one of the greatest churches they um they really teach on identity and they teach mm-hmm. on um, relationship as a core value. They teach these yeah. kinds of values. So not only were you ready for that, but that's what that church was also serving you. Yep. So let's talk about, okay, we're gonna go back into Michelle and the kids in a few minutes. I think yeah. that's important, but let's talk about during that season, what was the first big breakthrough you had in partnership to God? Not just because you were a musician, not just because you were, you know, um, this was in you and it was part of your DNA, but because you are now partnering with God, your yeah. faith.
1: I had been doing this steady at this club in LA called The Baked Potato, which is. I love The Baked
0: Potato, right down the street.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Iconic jazz club. It's fantastic. And everybody who's everybody just plays there. And I had a steady there with the guitarist from The Police, Andy Summers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we would play, I think, once a month. And it was fun. We just played, you know, jazz stuff and and his take on things. And he's wonderful. And then uh, things were advancing and we got called to do a week in Blue Note at the Blue Note uh, Jazz Club in New York. Oh, wow. And I was so excited. This was one of the I mean, I was playing with Andy Summers of the police and I'm just starting to make a name for myself in L.A. This is probably 2001 or two. And he's like you know, paying me a lot of money. It was really cool. And I was going to go to New York for a week. The dates conflicted with a church obligation mm. where I was the music director at, at Oasis and we had some, I don't know, it was a big deal for our church. Um, but to me, it wasn't worth like I was, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to miss that. I'm going to play jazz with Andy Summers of the police in New York. <laughs> I've waited my whole
0: life for this moment.
1: And, <laughs> and my wife goes, you should pray about that before you say it because I my I was conditioned as a self-employed freelance musician the phone rings you say yes every time all yeah. the time and then you figure out a way to do it and if there's conflict you try and figure out that but it's always like yeah especially getting your feet I just I was newly married like I, yeah. I want to try and man she's like pray about that and I'm like no I know God wants me like he gave me this opportunity and she's like why don't you pray about it I was like okay and I prayed, and honestly, God was like, in my spirit, he was like, honor your first commitment, and wow. your first commitment is to the church. And I was like, are you kidding me? He's going to pay me like $1,500 for the week. That was really good money for me, you know? I was like, this is incredible. Honor your first commitment. And so I said no to Andy, and unfortunately, like, he found another bass player and continued on with him at that point, and I honored my first commitment and I stuck with Oasis and I I finished that, whatever it was, some special thing we were doing. And that night, I really, that night of that concert or that uh, worship um, service at church, I really felt God say, you are called to minister and pastor local musicians who are after God, who are seeking what you have, like a career in the industry, but who want to love God alongside of it. Wow and 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 a couple guys came up to me in a prayer after that um service and were just like how do we get the family and the and the the gigs and and be in church like you and that was the first time that I had even kind of seen myself like oh I guess I'm kind of doing this now yeah and at the same time god was like here's part of your identity here's wow. here's here's the here's the the first chapter of the next part of your life as a musician in church And I was like, whoa. And now looking back, I'm like, this is exactly why I said no to that. This is what God wanted me to do. And now it's become the fabric of who I am and Michelle and our ministry and what we're doing and what we're building. And 16 years at Oasis as music director, I saw hundreds of musicians come through from Berkeley College of Music or... Musicians Institute in Hollywood, they would come down. I had like a dozen of the amazing musicians. They've gone on to make names for themselves and careers for themselves. And they have families and they're touring and, and God is alive and involved in their life. And I would love to think that I had a small part of my sacrifice and my obedience to listening to God's voice has now hopefully you know gone out and, and affected others lives as a result so. that's so cool
0: <laughs> i love that god took you to a place of not only a new identity but something that was outside of your current grade because music director yeah. a lot of music directors are just focused on the equipment and the sound and the you yeah. know how everyone plays together and god was saying no father yeah pastor you yeah. know like family yeah yeah and uh, so many churches are missing that and so mm-hmm. many Christian communities are missing that because they just have somebody who's good at coordinating musicians. Right. Yeah. And I've watched you in our own community and I've watched people relate to you from all different stages of your life, you know, mm-hmm. and they just there's this love in their heart like Dan, you know, like just mm-hmm. you've you've been there in defining moments of spiritual identity for people mm-hmm. just like God took you through such a defining period. Uh, I want to go back into the Michelle kind of story and yeah. just kids because you guys you have three beautiful children and do. you have twins. Yeah. And twins is not easy when you're no. in the entertainment industry. And there's kind of a lie that if you have children, once you start children you that's when your career decreases. Yeah. Unless you sacrifice <laughs> them for it. So you guys yeah. haven't done that though, because you've been still playing at a you know high level and you've also been still being able to be a worship pastor yeah. and you have kids. Yeah. Talk about how that worked and maybe tell us the story of the children.
1: Yeah. Michelle and I um Battled infertility for about five years wow. after we got married it' so um, painful it was horrible. it was a horrible experience and we we both wanted kids and um eventually we uh we did i v f and um you know we got twins out of it Phineas and jackson um are amazing they're nine now, and then we had a daughter after that with no problem and that's no amazing. medical intervention <laughs> wow. um and that's Charlotte, and she's six and you know we had this 5 year infertility journey which was a crazy faith journey i was so glad that i reconnected with god to go through that because i don't know how people do that
0: yeah without faith
1: it's so intense um but yeah a family and touring like you know i when i got married i had just gotten uh the I don't know if you, if anyone will remember, but Taylor Hicks from American Idol was, totally. uh, yeah, that I was, remember. that was one of my big, my first big breaks. And he won Taylor, he won American Idol. And then we ended up doing this whole promo tour and this, all the TV shows. And I think Leno was the first one we did back when he was uh, doing the show. And um, I've seen him
0: twice live. I mean, you're probably oh, yeah. there. Yeah, back oh in those gosh, days. Yeah.
1: yeah, we did the Christmas tree lighting. Like it was a it was a phenomenal thing. So about three or four months of, of you know, pre-kids, I was, I was out touring. I came home from that run and Michelle was like, I don't think that touring is going to be, you know, is going to work for us. And I knew it. And I, you know, and so we came up with a, 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 um, common ground of no more than 10 days. Okay. Which is crazy as a musician, like you go out for a month or two on the road to promote an album. Mm -hmm. So I knew like, okay, it's going to have to be, God, God's going to have to do this. If I'm going to tour anymore, cause 10 days max, it's not going to work. A month later, Taylor Hicks is like, Hey, I'm ready to go on my tour. And it's three months long. And I said, no, I said, I'm not going to do it. And that was a little hard, but I didn't want to go out for three months because I was also doing things in LA. But at the same time, it would have been really fun to go out. And so, um, a couple of years passed and I didn't tour. And then, um, an artist named Jonathan Butler, who is a wonderful artist from South Africa and he's a, a Christian artist, but he's also a jazz artist and a gospel artist and all sorts of things. He says, Hey, I am looking for a bass player. I just do spot dates throughout the year. Just pop in for a festival here and there, maybe a, maybe down to Cape town, maybe to DC or whatever. And he hired me. I auditioned and we started doing things. And for the last 11 years, I've been his music director, and I tour with him from about April to November, and I'm gone maybe two or three days here or there throughout the year.
0: That's amazing. And
1: so God was like, not only are you going to still be able to tour, you're going to tour with a Christian artist, so you don't have to worry about the the road that can be crazy. Um, and you're going to be surrounded by family and it's going to work for your, for your wife and still have kids. And so that was amazing. So that is so good. I've been able to balance that and, and still honor the, the promise I made with my wife about her being the priority and me not being gone too long. And so it's just been amazing. So it's not, I mean, that, that was God, God's hand, but I would encourage people who are trying to figure out like, can I tour? Can I be a musician? Like, again it comes back to prioritizing the things that are important to god make them making them important to you yeah and then watch what god does with the career because it's not like god wants you to at least in my experience i have never made a decision that i feel like god was on or god honored and then felt like i had to in the long run sacrifice something it's always been so good. it's always been added too i think i was saying no to Andy summer's week at, at the blue note in, in New York, but I was saying yes to the next 15 years of ministry, shaping oh, the lives so of, of musicians who are hungry for what I have discovered or what God has sh- put in my heart. And so he exchanged the desires of my heart. Yeah. And now I get to do, have a, a family play music tour, do recording sessions and minister to this amazing artist you know community in los angeles yeah. uh, at expression and beyond um and and just kind of share my story and what god's done yeah. you know you can have both god wants you to have both i love
0: this and i think uh especially that you god's process for us is so different than we would lead ourselves and yeah. that's the key is that he's a father oh, yeah. and he's leading you i love the language you just used because he's leading you and some of you might be watching and saying you know my process has not been easy, and it doesn't mean that because you're a Christian your process will be easy. But it should be more connected. If you ne- if you feel yeah. disconnected from God, I love the language you're using because it's connecting language. Like your relationship with God is leading you, right. and then you can even reverse engineer the moments that were hard to see where He was in them. Yes, yes. and when you're walking with God, that's what it's like. We're going to talk about this and a lot more, and even your time with Josh Groban doing session sets and other people when we come back. Hey, Exploring the Industry listeners, we have an incredible book that I just released just for you. My new book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations is out now. I wrote this book so that you would have a very specific tool to help you use words to define your own history and future with God. Throughout human history, we've seen prayer and the prophetic and declarations shape society, set culture, provide heritage, and bring vision for the future. And when you combine prayers, declarations, and prophecies like you encounter in this book, you become even more intentional about the power of words. Prophecies, prayers, and decorations are instrumental for us to enter our promised land. This book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Decorations, will cover topics in finances, resources, family, influence, favor, business, and more. Through this book, I'm inviting you on the journey of learning how to use words to speak in the very fabric of your life, the spiritual realm, and the world around you. I pray that you'll find yourself using and reusing this book as you hear God speak to your heart. You can get our book anywhere books are sold, but if you get it at bullsministries.com and you pre-order it or post-order it, you're going to get a very exclusive teaching series. So I want to encourage you to get it there. Welcome back to Exploring the Industry. I'm your host, Sean Bowles, and I'm here with Dan. And Dan, you've been a musician for a lot of years in the entertainment industry and also in the church. You've been a pastor and a music director. Yeah. Uh, we want to talk some about your career and- Good. I think your career has been so defining and so wonderful. Mm. And a lot of the reasons why it's wonderful is because you partnered to God in your career and he has given you unusual opportunities. And so I was asking behind the scenes, like what was one of your favorite moments? And I'm going to bring that to the show table now. Like what was one of the best moments when you started out when all of a sudden like God gave you an opportunity?
1: Yeah. I had, you know, one of my dreams as a kid early on in high school studying music was I loved the, I loved uh, albums And I always wanted to be a session bass player. I wanted to be able to be a part of a collaboration with other musicians that would last forever and people would listen to when they needed to be in that mood. Like I was just drawn to that. I loved reading the credits on albums and I'd run to get the new CD. And before I even put it on, I would pull out the sleeve and I'd look at (laughs) who played bass on what all the time.
0: Um, so, you know, like all the main bass? I did, both, right? I oh, studied
1: yeah. the, when I was in LA, I just, I knew who was playing the sessions and, and just all my heroes. I loved it, but I had been doing sessions and, um, just here and there for friends and small yeah. projects and little things here and there. And one time I got called, um, by a producer named Bob rock to play on an album for Michael Bublé. Wow. And that was a big call for me at that time. I had been doing sessions, but nothing on that scale. Yeah. And so, you know, I I, I go into the session and, and some of my heroes, some of the people whose names I read on those album credits are sitting
0: <laughs> so in the room.
1: And, you know, I just felt God, you know, in that moment, like you're here. Like, yeah. I didn't think that I had arrived. I was honestly very nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I was really nervous. I tried to be calm, but. But I did feel like God was like, I put you here. Like, this is where you belong. And I had a great session. And I, and a lot of times when I'm in those moments and I feel like I don't belong or I'm insecure, you know, I have to just, I just pray or I just talk to God and and, and that confidence, I don't it's like this holy confidence that comes on and he's yeah. like, I've got you. Like, you're here for a reason and I'm with you. And to know that in, even in those like, dream environments where it's, yeah. I can't believe I'm here to involve God and be like, don't, you know, I'm here. You, I've got you, I've got yeah. your back. And so, yeah, so I'm playing with some amazing people and it was an incredible, incredible session. I think
0: about those moments when, um, and Romans where it says I've prepared or God has prepared you before time for good works that you'll do now. And I just think of, you know, some people have that feeling of deja vu when they get into an experience and then others as Christians, we would say we get these moments that are like, I don't know, providential or they're just divine appointments, divine times yeah. where you look around and you're like, I was made for this. Yeah. And I, they did a survey on the top 500, I think it was through Harvard, um, CEOs of Fortune mm-hmm. 500 companies, all of them. They did a survey on them and they asked the CEOs questions and, and they came up with afterwards what they called the imposter syndrome where everybody felt like they – They probably shouldn't be there, you know, and they're hired in the top positions and, you know, global markets and they shouldn't probably be there. So I feel like a lot of us feel like when God brings us somewhere, we almost feel like imposters to it until we rest in him and go, no, you made this before time began. You planned for me to be on this album. And that's why you put so much interest in me from the, in the first place which I so I good. love that that you're looking around. What was it like to actually play with them? Like was oh, it was over man. one day, a couple days? It was
1: one day. I only I ended up I think I did like three or four songs. I don't even know if all of them made the album, but it was so it was so fun. Like I left there and I I think I called Michelle and I, I just couldn't believe it. It was just yeah, I mean and I and I wasn't expecting the neck the phone to ring for the next one tomorrow cuz I know how the industry works, but it was just this beautiful like sort of kiss from heaven. Like yeah. I got your back. Like you're going to be okay. You know? Yeah. And, so and then this started
0: awesome. though, the phone did start ringing
1: and then the phone started ringing, which is huge. Cause yeah.
0: with you and Michelle saying, we want to have, this is our boundaries of how we want to raise our family in LA. Yeah. And I think, One of the beautiful things that you had referred to earlier is like when you're saying no to something, God has room to open up what you really are supposed to be doing or he has room to use it differently. It's the same when you set boundaries. And I think a lot of people, no matter what kind of life you come from or career, they don't set boundaries. And you said it earlier, like you don't say no. When somebody calls you, you say yes, because the moment you say no, they will find someone else. And that might be a permanent position. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And, you know, that also, struggle.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's real. And also there, I, like you said, I set boundaries for my family, but those might not be the same boundaries and, and certainly aren't the same boundaries for another husband, musician, father, yeah. who maybe is called to be out on the road and to be uh, an example out there. Like it, there has to be, I mean, yeah. there is not a right or wrong, like somebody's scenario to be on the road and and a touring musician and have a wonderful home. I'm I'm sure that exists. Uh, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't the call because I knew I wanted to be in LA and I knew I wanted to be around, but man, everybody's God's story and everybody's in God's involvement in everybody's life is thank goodness individual. And it looks different. If it looked the same, it'd be horrible. And so I know firsthand of musicians who have gone out on the road for two or three months at a time and have felt really disconnected. If it weren't for that one christian dude that was in the band that was like constantly encouraging them and keeping them together yeah. so there's a need for all We're of call that them we call calling the quasi chaplains
0: you know <laughs> yeah, totally yeah <laughs> the Out one band on... member who becomes a chaplain like brian head welch yeah he becomes a chaplain for the rest of the group oh even if they gosh. don't want it or not you know like he's Absolute. just such good friends with them yeah and you well, need that raising a family in la let's put that on the table for a minute because you're raising a family in two very difficult spots. One is a pastor's family. So there's a ministry side. One is a musician's family. Right. And those are notoriously hard grounds. And they're in both of them to raise a family. But you felt compelled to do it. And your kids are thriving. Let's talk about that. Like The, the sacrifice that is. And just kind of tell us some stories around that.
1: Well, I don't know if I ever felt compelled to do it in terms of like, I, I feel like what God's done in my life is, is I've made a mess of something and then he comes in and straightens it out. And then I take a step forward. (laughs) I don't, you know, I, I I love, I love my wife and my wife hears from God all the time. And she is such a great mouthpiece of encouragement for me. Um, just, you know, as a leader and what I'm doing, but she also is encouraging me to be, um, just to shoulder more of the pastor in me, Mm -hmm. which is hard for me to see. Myself as sometimes because I um, I'm a musician and I'm a teacher and I'm I'm a coach. But a lot of times when it comes down to like you know pointing people to God and showing them, uh, I don't have the words for it, but yeah. I maybe have the lifestyle, or they can see it in what I've done. So how did you get there? It's hard for me to to kind of bridge that gap, but I do know that. I've been able to go to work as a musician and also be a husband and a father. And that has always been a dream of mine. And then this whole idea of worship pastor at church has really grown from just a a place of like, like back in the day, like I'd mentioned when I was hired by Oasis uh, in 2001 to play on their album, I found myself in this church environment. It was actually a band environment that happened to be in a church. And that's kind of how I saw it. And so I just started doing what was in my hands. I started, what did I go to school for? How does, oh, I can improve this. Let me make, make yeah. this suggestion. And then, oh, you're having trouble. You're you are dealing with porn or you're, oh, come on, let's talk, you know? And so I would start to have musical input into people's lives. And then I would start to have spiritual input. And so that right there, that was the beginning of what now is my ministry. Yeah. And how I see myself. So my goal, whenever I go into church, whether it's a rehearsal or a, a service, is the people that are around me, that community, I want them to grow musically and spiritually. Yeah. And so every time I'm trying to do something to push that forward and in myself as well. And so that's become a huge part of like, and even not in church, when I go yeah. on the road, how can I grow this this musically and spiritually i I think of that
0: one of the things for la that you and michelle have defined for us and just for a lot of musicians from different churches is there's a sound that god's put in la Mm. and just praying into what is that and then bringing it out so you guys released an album not too long ago yeah 58 worship music and um and it was it was really beautiful because it wasn't just uh you know most churches have like you know two worship leaders the most and you guys have raised up so many you just keep raising up musicians and worship team and we, we're a smaller church, but we have, like, I, I joke around and say we have 25 worship teams. You know, yeah. like it's like this of yeah. you guys, because mm-hmm. you're fathering and mothering and pastoring. And then your kids are around all that, all the time. And so they're developing, I mean, your kids can talk to adults really well. Yeah, That's something that's unusual and, and, and is kind of a mark of leadership on them. Like we're all talk to fan or I'll talk to Charlie and they're just like, mm-hmm. there's no like oh stranger right. danger. There's like, <laughs> anyways, you know, furthermore, <laughs> there's yeah. so much development. So it's, it's really beautiful to see your kids' personalities and their, Thank their you. leadership and their mm-hmm. strength of who they are. I love when we choose God. And we go after God. What happens because of that? We're going to come yeah. back though in a few more minutes and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about just some of those God highlight moments throughout the career that have happened behind the scenes. Yeah. So come back and join us. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Industry, our brand new podcast. And it's actually part of the podcast family of the Exploring the Prophetic. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly stories on Wednesdays that are everyday people like you and I who are hearing God and God is changing our options. He's changing our world. He's transforming culture around us because we're saying yes in obedience to God. And then on Fridays, we have Exploring the Industry. So make sure to subscribe and you're going to hear these amazing stories twice a week and we need these stories right now. I know if, if you're like me, you need the encouragement. So come join the conversation. Something real, something fake with Dan Les. This is going to be fun. We uh-huh. have one fact that's real and one fact that's not real about okay. music industry type things. And so the okay. first one, are you uh-huh. ready for this? Yes. It's all about weird hobbies that musicians have. Okay. And so one of these is real. One of these is fake. You have to decide which one. Number okay. one, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. Have you ever listened to them? Yep. Okay, he writes comic books. His prime hobbies are drawing and drinking coffee. Before My Chemical Romance, he was so ambitious about working in the world of comics that he even attended Manhattan School of Visual Arts and graduated with a bachelor's degree in fine arts. This proves that writing comic books is more than just a hobby. Some of his comic books are Spider-Man, The Edge of the Spider-Verse, The Umbrella Academy, An Apocalypse Suite, and The True Lives of Fabulous Killjoys. That's fact number one. Is he a comic book writer? Is this true? We'll find out. Number two, Neil Young had two hotel rooms on his latest tour, but when the hotel staff went in to clean his room, they found not another person sharing the room, but his model train collection carefully set up so he could play after all of his performances. For Young, model trains are more than a hobby. He is a connoisseur of both the collector and operating markets. His love for model railroading probably goes back to the days when he truly started loving music. Which one is true?
1: I'm going to say Neil Young is true.
0: It's partially true, but it's not it. You missed it. Number one is fully true. Neil Young recently sold his whole hobby for a huge amount of money and gave it to charity, but he was a railroad guy like he okay. loved these these model trains. He never had a hotel room for him but <laughs> okay. that I know of. But he was a model train guy. So I kinda oh, tricked you because okay. it that's was cool. really isn't that interesting though? That is interesting. And uh, then I mean the fact that uh Gerard way I mean he, he really was, did but, he really did write these comic wow, books. That's so cool. I mean that's so cool. I mean it's kept him out of all kinds of trouble that other people get into which is wild. I love that. I well I, I have that. another one for you. This is gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. These are both about Bass Player Magazine. Have you read this? Absolutely. I had a subscription
1: for many years. (laughs) Have you ever been featured in it? Yes, I have. Yes, you have. Of course.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we have two facts. You have to decide which one is true. Okay. The first one is Bass Player Magazine came under fire when they allowed their number one bassist of all time article, list musical sweetheart, Carol Kay, as their top bassist of all time, dethroning their previous pick, James Jamison. Other bassists were in an uproar, feeling they bowed to pressure of feminism and betrayed the bassist communities and James Jameson's memory. Bass Player Magazine responded by letting them be tied for first place and apologized for any offense, but also said it's time to get with the times. Carol is as good as anyone. Okay, so that's number one. You have a smile on your face. You have thoughts about that. Yeah. Number two, Bass Player Magazine got in trouble recently for listing a series of jokes lightheartedly poking fun at bass players who were not amused by it on their website, including one-liners. How do you reduce wind drag on a bassist car? Take the Domino Pizza sign off the roof. What do... I love this. What do you throw a drowning bass player? His amp. (laughs) How many pop bass players does it take to change the light bulb? None. The keyboard player does it with his left hand. (laughs) I've heard that What are the three most difficult years in a bass player's life? Second grade. (laughs) They quickly retracted it, but the damage was done. They lost over a thousand in their online community who couldn't take the joke.
1: Wow. Okay, well, what's funny about the James Jamerson and Carol Kay thing is that they were both Motown bass players and... um, there were, there is speculation that some of the times that James Jamerson has recorded, it was actually Carol Kay. And so there has, and so there was sort of like a, I don't know if it was like sexist or I don't know how it happened, but there is some, there is some uh, uh, discrepancy about who played what, but they're both amazing iconic bass players. Um, And then, the bass player jokes. I don't. I think that's fake. I think the 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 Jamerson and Carol Kay thing is true.
0: I beat you. Oh, no, it was I actually the jokes broke. online. The jo- no, it's okay because <laughs> how would you know this in the first place? The that's first so thing funny. was I actually read that, and that's why I did put you? that together because I thought that was so interesting yeah. that she, um, she didn't get her credit. Yeah, I was due her, and yeah. even on their list, they actually did do an article to say who she was because they? they put her like number. I'm gonna be wrong on the number, but out yeah. of the top hundred, like maybe twelve or fifteen.
1: Right, right. And there was an
0: uproar, like actually she should be number two, even yeah, right yeah. tied for one. So there was like a little controversy scandal. So it would be yeah. kind of right. <laughs> but just not exactly. You're
1: checking me on both of these. I That's know. Funny. And then the second <laughs> one,
0: they did lose of people did. people were mad that oh bass players gosh, just couldn't on. take the joke and you guys are pretty funny guys so i was shocked we are funny guys well that thank you for crazy. playing the game i'm sorry that you didn't fully <laughs> win okay. but you didn't fully lose either and there's no prize anyways so That's thanks right. for playing
1: <laughs> thanks sean <laughs> <laughs> that was good
0: did you know we have a youtube channel called bulls ministries and on that youtube channel we have new content it's a video show that comes out episodically every monday called Your Prophetic Journey, and it's a lighthearted take on some really tough subjects like night terrors, interpreting dreams, signs and symbols, what to do when your kids are having nightmares, these kinds of things. We're gonna tackle huge subjects and we're gonna do it with you. And it's already available. There's already a lot of episodes on there. You could watch it, you could subscribe to it, you could share it with your friends. But come under our YouTube channel and join the conversation now about how you're growing in your prophetic journey. Share your stories and also hear ours. Thanks for coming back to Exploring the Industry. I'm here with Dan Lutz, who's a musician here in Los Angeles, also a worship pastor. And I love these stories because we're kind of navigating through a life that's really surrendered to Jesus. Like you, you said yes to God, and you've allowed him to build a career. It's very unique. But what I love about God is that he can do that for anybody, that he yeah. has certain things he's calling us to that don't always look like they're going to work together. And right. that's one of the definitions of creative genius is seeing things that almost work opposite go together. Yeah. And that's who God is to us. Absolutely, He's such a creative genius on how to mold our lives. And he yeah. had this plan from the beginning and now he's doing it. So let's go back into some of the story. Cause you guys went through a period where transition was in the air. God yeah. pulled you to transition.
1: Yeah. We were, you know, as a self-employed musician, you can't call people and get yourself work. Yeah. Like, you're essentially waiting for the phone to ring. So you hopefully have certain things lined up and you're, especially if you're, you know, raising a family. You you wanna you don't wanna just sit around and wait. Yeah. Um, and Michelle and I, uh, we had been both on staff at Oasis uh church for 15 years. Wow. And uh when our daughter Charlotte was born, Michelle decided to come off staff uh to be home with the the twins and her with Charlotte and I started to do some more stuff at Oasis. And then we both felt at some point in about 2014 that God was calling us to something different. And as a self-employed musician who um, needs to support a family, I was really scared if we were going to be leaving church because we were both getting income from there. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to have to go on the road. Uh, I don't, you know, we need to come up with a plan. You know, I like to strategize and come up with a plan. And, And God, you know, was like, go on a marriage retreat with your wife for three days. And so we did. And at that retreat, we got, we both heard God say, I want you to leave your church and I want you to sell your house. Wow! And I was like, no, hold on a second. We don't, we don't do that. I have to calculate. I have to research. And Michelle heard the same thing and we just partnered together and we like, okay, we're going to do this. And so uh, over the course of like six months in a very healthful and, and um, honoring way, we transitioned out of Oasis and we were just going to kind of, you know, figure out what to do. And I was nervous as the husband and father, like, how am I going to provide? I'm going to have to tour more. And we talked about not touring. So uh, this is going to be hard. And after about a month, I get a phone call from a a friend who was doing an album with a producer named Larry Klein and Larry Klein uh, ended up hiring me for this, album at the end of 2014, which was the year that we decided to transition. So for 2015, God gave Larry, or maybe I should say, um, I ended up doing about eight records with Larry that year, which is more than I'd ever done probably in my whole career, Wow, um, which ended up totaling the difference that Michelle was making at Oasis for that whole year. So I did about seven projects and it ended up, God ended up bringing in the finances to restore that gap that I was worried about happening because we listed, we listened to him and we trusted him. We also ended up selling our house and moving to another house, which because our house sold for a lot more than it was worth. And we ended up getting another one that was worth, uh, that was, that we ended up getting it a lot less than it was worth. So we ended up making some money and this whole transition and the timing, like, if it wasn't for God and just hearing his voice, we would have been, or I would have tried to do it on my own and yeah. not really have involved him. And, and at the same time, like saying no and thinking that I was going to have to get a job or she, Michelle had talked about working at Starbucks and we said yes to God, which seemed like it was going to be stepping into some lack. And yeah. God came through and completely transformed my career and the, the whole, um, just the landscape of what it looks like to be in ministry and as a session bass player over the next like year and a half. And wow. what we did at expression and how we got involved in the freedom that our pastors there give us um, allows us to be a functioning, healthy family where we're still creating and and doing output like the album you said, and I'm doing sessions and I'm still touring, but God is moving and and calling us deeper into ministry and deeper into a connection with him. And now looking back, I used to kind of be nervous about that invitation from him and hearing God, are you sure? And now I kind of get excited about like, what are you going to do? Are you going to call me away from something? Because I know you've got something else.
0: (laughs) It's almost like this weird, like transition isn't scary anymore. Because when you're uprooted, I think anybody, especially in the entertainment industry, like whenever you get uprooted in some people, it's because they've worked with a certain producer for a movie or for music for so long. And that relationship's no longer there. And you feel like those dangling roots, like where are these yeah, going to be planted? Sure. I don't know how people do that without connected relationship to Jesus. Yeah, Because the anxiety level is hard with Jesus, exactly. let alone yeah. without Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, but you do learn how to cast that on Jesus, cast your cares on God. Mm-hmm. You know, like you learn that. So then you are, I, I've been in those seasons too where all of a sudden I'm going, whatever you do, like I'm here. Like, yeah. I, I mean, there's nothing that's permanent on the side of eternity. So whatever you do, I trust you. Yeah, And, and I've always told musicians that
1: I pastor or even out, in the in a, in a, a secular environment where it's not church, God is my manager, and mm. I and I look at it like that. And so, whenever the phone rings or whenever I'm given a decision, I have to first consult Him. That's amazing. What are you going to do, Dad? To what do it. you want to do? Am I supposed to take this gig? Does this in any way hurt or on uh, you know fra- um, fracture something with Michelle or with the kids or with my responsibilities? And if it doesn't then I get a green light and most yeah. of the time God is green lights until there's a red yeah. and now it's a lot more easy for me it's been a decade of trying to figure out what God wants and how to hear from him but now it's 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 easier to discern I still get it wrong all the time but my flesh is still very much a part of my of myself <laughs> <laughs> but When I, when I involve God and when I say, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to take this? I usually get a quick response and I know how to move. And my, my yes can be yes. My no can be no. And I'm moving forward in confidence, knowing God is being honored and involved in those decisions. And that as a musician, especially a self-employed where you feel like you have to like constantly be peddling and working and hustling in the next thing, there is a freedom and a, and a, and a sort of peace that you can get in really partnering with God when you're, when you're making those decisions and when you're trying to make the right thing, you will never arrive as a self, like you never get to a place as a musician where you're like, finally, I've got the gig I wanted. That's finally, so I'm making enough money. Yeah, It's in those little decisions. And if you're partnering with God where you can really understand that he has the best, your best intentions in mind when he's, when he's still saying it doesn't have to be in church. Mm-hmm. You can go on the road, you can do the session, you can do the tour, whatever it is, as long as I'm there and involved. And yeah. that
0: that's that's where I try and stay on a daily basis. Yeah. And if you look at uh, a lot of musicians where are they now on YouTube? Mm. Whether it's just the bass player or the drummer or whatever from major bands. Sure. Who the biggest impact and they're working in real estate or they're right, working right. One, and so even knowing that there's, you know, if you don't navigate it right, if you don't navigate it with with a God conscious, you know, yeah. um, it's, you're not going to get where you want to go anyways. Yep. You only stay there for as long as the grace that's on your skill and talent and gifting or an opportunity. You have some sort of relationship, relational connection. Totally. But I've met people throughout the years in the tree and I've spent time with them who, mm-hmm. you know, were some, someone, you know, and they, they're in the mm-hmm. identity wrestle cause they weren't someone in God. They were just someone. Yeah. And I love this. So, well, let's kind of switch in our last few minutes. I want to talk t- about, uh, just what you're seeing as someone who's in secular music in Christian music, like you're yeah. in both the e 58 album billboarded on the Christian charts, which is amazing. Even with a lot of major musicians, I mean, just an endless number of ma- major musicians you've played with and, and done sessions for and played, you know, all over the city and then all over the world. Yeah. Let's talk about what God's doing in music, because the, the lines definitely are blurring between the church and secular. And we're starting to understand more. And a lot of people who are watching may not have heard like God assigns people to suck their music. And like to play with people yeah. like Josh Groban, to play with people like Michael Bublé, to yeah. play with people, you know, Taylor Swift, different people. So let's talk about like those lines that are blurring and also what you're seeing happening. Yeah. I mean,
1: I used to think that God was in the Christian music and we, you know, my dad, we grew up on like Maranatha and all that kind of totally. stuff. And so that was God's music. And then the other music was the world's music. And then I grew up and I ended up becoming a, bass player and a christian in this world that's making music and that was like i realized that god i was carrying god into those places does that make sense yeah like i thought that somebody else had to do it or like if god wanted to be in the secular world he'll just get there eventually but i feel like my relationship and my my walk is a personal relationship with jesus before anything else Mm -hmm. before genres before churches, like it's me and dad, right? And so I feel like God uses that. And then when people have an understanding of that, they just go about their day. And if God is in them, then he naturally assumes the space that those people are in, hopefully. And so that's for me, that's, that's how I see it. And so Kanye has a huge platform and yeah. is an icon and a major star. But all I care about is that relationship with God. And and I, f- I hope that he is connecting that. And I hope that any musician or any artist connects that relationship and lets that govern them as they continue to operate in all their spheres. So yeah, yeah he has a huge platform and that's so cool. And maybe somebody else is going to be like, oh, wow, he's a Christian and he's just doing what's in his hands. That's all I'm doing. I just... If I'm if I'm in between takes at an album and my friend starts talking to me about he's going through a divorce, I'm instantly, my spirit comes alive because yeah. I get to now share my thought. I don't get to say, well, Jesus says about divorce. Yeah. You don't say that, but I can say, mm, you want to talk about it? How are you treating your wife? Like, how are, are there ways that you could arrive? And it's all coming from essentially Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, like yeah. real simple stuff that's yeah. that's right here ready to come out. And so I start sharing that and then if there is a if there's like oh I want to know more about that or how do you make that decision well the teachings of Jesus is 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 where I start and so if you want to know more about that and eventually you know we might be able to have a conversation and then you might come to church or whatever or it might end there I might just be a link in the chain and then somebody else but when you're when you're using what's in your hand and you're being you're being kind of assigned to these different environments. If it's on the road, if it's in a recording studio, or if it's in a classroom or wherever outside of the church, if you are a Christian and God is living inside you and you have that relationship, then that's going to naturally come out. And that's so how man. it gets into the music. And industry. that takes
0: you out of like the performance too, feeling yeah. like you have to use, like if you're a doctor, you can't, go and pray for healing for every patient. Right. Like every time you right. can't, you can't just be an evangelist all the time. No, you have to, you know, I love what St. Francis of Assisi says. I, I preach Christ daily. Sometimes I use words. <laughs> you have to just be yes. Yeah. And, yes. and, and, and that being the- there's something that people ask you questions like, why is your family healthy? Like, why yes. do you, why are you staying with Michelle? Yes. Why are you those kinds of things? So I love that about you guys. Cause there's, if we don't go to these industries,
1: then they're left
0: alone. Yes. They're left to what they are, humanity, the demonic, whatever. Yeah. And I love that you would go. I love that you would say, no, this is God. It's like, we're supposed to be there.
1: And I should say that I've been offered full-time church positions three or four times in my life over the last 15 years. And I've had no problem saying no. Yeah. And I've said it quickly and I never, I mean, pray about it, but I, my calling and I feel like God is like, no, I don't want you to be in, I want you to be in there a little bit, but I need you to be. Out here. Wow. And and that's so cool because you don't feel like you're betraying God. Like oh, I'm full-time ministry. If you're called to God, like yeah. that's not how it works. That's not how your leadership is. That's not how our church's leadership is. It's like, what are you called to do? Go out and do it. Yeah. But you gotta have this connection and you gotta be listening. If you're not hearing from him and you're not involving him in those decisions, if he's not your manager, then you're not gonna be effective in those environments. He's gotta so be good. alive inside you.
0: Well, we're going to stop there. I think this has been an incredible conversation. Some of you who are watching are hearing language about being led by God or God being your manager, hearing God's voice, these kinds of things that has really set Dan and many of our guests apart in their industry. And some of you have never considered that God is on the move in people's lives this way. I mean, hearing that he had opportunity to be a full-time pastor and he's saying, no, I want to be with my foot in both worlds. That might be just eye-opening to some of you going, wow, that's really amazing that you felt signed to this industry, not just to ministry, that this is ministry too. And I want to encourage you to be praying for Dan, be praying for musicians, be praying for the music industry, which affects our children, affects our culture, affects popular culture, affects politics. And as a Christian, you're empowered to do something about it. Every time you think a negative thought about maybe a musician who may be making bad decisions publicly, I want you to turn that around and say, God, Bring your love to them and also use the music industry. Mm. There's so many Dans in place mm. in the music industry, yeah. and we want to pray for more to be raised up. Yeah. And if there's someone in your church, your family, or even your children who feels called to do music, not just in a church centric way, but beyond, let Dan be a role model mm. and others who are in the music industry be a role model. That not only is it possible, but God is saying, arise and shine. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And thick darkness covers the earth, but you're called to arise in the midst of it. Thank you for watching today. Come back and join us next week. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's going to change the world through the entertainment industry. And we want to invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe. Hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at BowlsMinistries.com, where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.